Socialists to Change the World, the podcast of the Socialist Workers' Party. Each week we'll be bringing you original content and analysis of the social, economic and cultural questions facing the world today. Welcome everyone to to this week's podcast. Um, My name is Martin Empson and I'm a a socialist in the UK and I'm the editor of the new book System Change Not Climate Change. And we're very excited this week because we've got Caitlin, who's a socialist in Australia, based in Sydney, uh, an activist with the uh, Solidarity Organisation. And Caitlin's going to be talking to us today about the bushfires, the response of the Australian government, and uh, uh, what's been happening there in terms of the climate movement and the trade unions. So, uh, Caitlin, thank you very much for for joining us and taking your time out to uh, to be part of this podcast. Um, Can you... uh, uh, firstly, I suppose before I start, I should uh, uh, offer my solidarity from uh, socialists and trade unionists in the UK to what looks like an appalling environmental crisis over there. Um, can you give us a bit of uh, a sense of what's been happening over the last few months and uh, and how people have been uh, impacted by the bushfires? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I suppose people will have seen, you know, a lot of the um, quite apocalyptic looking images coming out of Australia um, from some of the worst affected areas like the um, uh, particularly along the east coast of, of Victoria and the south coast of New South Wales you know truly sort of horrifying images of um, you know skies glowing um, red and orange but um yeah so at this point um, we've had about um, 11 million hectares of bush burnt um, 27 deaths so far uh, Five of those have been uh, firefighters, about you know, two, over 2,000 homes destroyed, uh, half a billion animals animals killed, another half a billion displaced or wounded. Um, we've got sort of insurance losses standing at sort of around $1 billion. Um, and and actually the, the fire season is is not even over. Um, there's actually a few weeks to go and it could it could get worse in some places. Um and the the fire season itself actually started three about three months earlier than than usual um, in 2019. So, um, you know, the, the stage was set for a for a very bad season early on. Um, and uh, even even if um, you know you know we haven't been immediately affected by by the fires, it's been uh, sort of virtually inescapable, really, because in um, in the in the biggest cities, um, in, you know, in, in Melbourne, Sydney, Canberra, um, we've been our cities have been absolutely covered in um, in smoke for sort of days at a time. At some points, we've had the highest rates of pollution in the world. That was the case in Canberra um, earlier this week. Um, it's been you know extraordinarily difficult, particularly for people who um, have to work outdoors. Um, um, you know, schools being closed and the rest of it. Um, so, yeah, this is, um, you know, really a um, probably the first um, real climate crisis that, um, that that Australia has seen on the, you know on this kind of scale. And um, it really has to be said that you know it, it has to be put down to um, to the to the changing climate. Um, so. Last year um, in Australia was the highest um, highest temperatures on record, the lowest level of rainfall, um, and that that um, those records were only breaking the, the records that were set in the uh, three or four years previous to that. So um, you know, the, I mean, Australia has always had um, has always had bushfires. Um, 
of you know uh, of various sizes but nef- nothing of, of this size ever before and we've got landscapes burning that um uh that were never uh, that have never burnt before so sort of um uh moist rainforests that were um you know that that haven't burnt and probably um now won't recover as a result of the fires because there are other areas in australia that are much more um sort of um uh, capable of coming back from from bushfire because they're because they're bushfire adapted, but some of these some of these ecosystems um, won't recover, and we've um, it's being said that we've already um, lost um, effectively lost um, entire species as as a result of the fires. Um, and of course, um, you know it's been it's been ordinary ordinary people that have have borne the brunt of the. Um, of the damage from the fires, so this really is very much a, you know, a, a class issue, even even in the immediate sense. Um, you know, the firefighters themselves, obviously, um, most of whom are volunteer firefighters, but in the um, in the cities and the and the surrounding suburbs, they are professional firefighters as well. Um, you know, the thousands of people who have had their homes destroyed, entire um, towns incinerated, um, and um, you know, as I said. Um, the um, people who have who have been working outside in these um, in the terrible um, smoke um, smoke pollution, who have been sort of first forced to continue to um, to work through those conditions, um, and I mean through through all of this, we've also had a um, had heat waves in some part in some places. So in Western Sydney, for example, um, the temperatures reached around forty eight degrees Celsius earlier this week. Um, and in some of those places, I mean, at the moment they're on, um, uh, we're on holidays, but um, uh, the when temperatures reach that height um, during school times, it's virtually impossible to continue to function. Um, you know, a lot of our public schools don't even have any air conditioning, so you can imagine kind of working in that in that heat. Um, and yeah, so I, I mean, underlying all this has been that the drought conditions, and we've had towns that have been without water for for months on end, um, particularly in um, in Western New South Wales, um, and 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 towns actually running out of running out of water during the the fire crisis, which has been been horrific as well. So it's yeah, it's it's been it's been a a very scary, very scary summer indeed, and um, and quite. Um, you know, it, everyone has been has been affected in some way. Whether whether they've been immediately affected, they've been you know had to be evacuated from places, or you know people essentially being kind of hemmed in um, to the city, um, particularly in Sydney, by being surrounded by fires, not able to really take their um, hard earned holidays and um, and the rest of it. So it's yeah, it's 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 affected just about everyone. The um. I suppose the, the the images we've seen over here from 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 the UK um, are, are pretty shocking, but I think people are also quite shocked by the response of the government. I mean, your Prime Minister Scott Morrison puts uh, put, puts our Boris Johnson to shame in terms of his inability to connect with with ordinary people. Um, but uh, it's not just a one-off, is it? The the Australian government has a long record of climate denial, of uh, of cutting funding to public services, including the, the fire service and so on. Um, can you tell us a bit more about the uh, about Scott Morrison, about uh, uh, how people have reacted to him, and, uh, and and really the roots of the crisis from 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 that side? 
Um, yeah, well, the, the, the coalition government in Australia, which is made up of the, of Scott Morrison's Liberal Party and the, and the National Party, um, have, um, a very long history of, um, essentially being, um, being climate deniers, um, and, and, and also, um, have been, uh, at going to great lengths to deny the connection between the, um, the fires and, um, and the change in the, in the climate. Um, uh, and there's been there's been warnings for for years about the um, about how bad the the fire um, fire season was going to get as a result of um, of climate change. But um, yeah, to give some context, I suppose about the um, the, the liberal government's um, climate denialism, um, it, it, it has a lot to do with the um, you know with the fact that the um, you know the fossil fuel industry is so incredibly um, so incredibly powerful in Australia. I mean, I know it is around the world, but I think it's particularly the case in um, in Australia. That you know, the mining industry is an, is enormously powerful, particularly in um, in, in coal exports. Um, the um, you know, we exported about twenty six billion dollars worth of um, worth of coal last year alone. Um, there's they they want to uh, export more and more and open up more mines. Um, we've got around seventy five percent of Australia's energy comes from coal um so it's really really hardwired into the australian um into the australian economy um and over the question of um of the the fires the um the the liberal party has really been sort of tearing itself to um to bits over the over the question of the climate um morrison has been um sort of trying to initially he was trying to deny any um any connection with climate change but he's he's still um trying to um talk down that connection um and people might have seen the um the interview on the BBC with a liberal MP called Craig Kelly who um founded the parliamentary friends of coal um um who was outright trying to you know trying to outright deny the the connection with um with climate change at all um and that is really the, um, you know, despite the fact that um, consistently around um, 80% of people in, in Australia are, um, um, sort of believe the the science around around climate change, we've had um, we've had a, a government since 2013 that has done everything that it can, essentially to um, prevent any real action on um, on climate change, um, and. I suppose in terms of um the the direct response to um to the fires um Scott Morrison himself the um the prime minister has um copped a lot of um a lot of criticism about his um about his response to the fires and um particularly the fact that in in December he in the you know during the height of the crisis um he decided to take a take a holiday to Hawaii with his family um and was uncontactable for for a lot of that time um and at the same time, the um, the uh, emergency services minister um, decided to take a trip for uh, take a trip to Europe. Um, so he's been really, um, you know, he's he's uh, copped a lot of criticism, um, sort of left, right, and centre for for his for his response around that. And he's you know been trying to do all sorts of strange things, like um, you know. He, he was he, he launched the the cricket season in the middle of all this and talked about the fact that uh, you know firefighters would be inspired by um by the by the Australian cricket team's um, efforts yeah. on the on the field which is you know just a 
it just proves just how incredibly out of touch he is. And, you know, yeah. he was also going for luxury dinners with the, um, with the Murdochs, the, you know, the media, media family amidst all of that. Um, and, you know, during the, uh, recent international climate talks in, in Madrid, um, Australia, uh, the Australian government basically tried to, you know, sabotage the <laughs> sabotage talks there and, um, tried to make the argument that they should be able to carry over credits from the um, from the Kyoto Protocol um, in order to be able to recalculate um, their emissions and uh, and be able to continue to emit more. And we're um, um, we're already considered um, as one of the furthest off track in in meeting our um, Paris climate targets um, amongst the developed economies in the world. Um, you know, we've got the second highest emissions. Um, intensive energy sector amongst the G20 countries. So, yeah, this is the kind of context that we're dealing in, de- dealing with in terms of, um, you know, uh, this very much being a, a climate crisis, but the, the government going to, um, to great lengths to, to deny that, um, to deny that fact, essentially. Um, but you also asked about the, um, the cuts. Um, yeah, the, the, the cuts to, Cuts to public services that have that have really compounded the the whole situation. Um, there has been, I mean, a lot of these cuts have actually happened on a um, on a state level. Um, so the most of the fire services are run by the state and territory um, governments in Australia. So in in New South Wales, the um, the state that Sydney's in, um, there have been uh, years and years of cuts to um, to the to the fire services. Um, uh, the fire brigade union claims around twelve million dollars was was cut in the in the last budget. Um, that's that that is a contested amount, but there has been um, you know uh, widespread calls for many for for many many years for um, for actually um, increased funding to um, to the fire services around the country that have gone unheeded both by by the Commonwealth government and and the state governments. Um, and there's also been um, a kind of uh, Ongoing battle between the uh, the the fire brigade, the the prof- professional firefighters, and um, and the volunteer fire uh, fire services, um, uh, which has really uh, really played out uh, to um, quite disastrous effects um, during this during this crisis. Because a lot of the the fires, the the vast majority of the fires have been fought by um, volunteer services as opposed to. Um, Professional firefighters um, who are actually you know, uh, employed and, and paid a wage and so forth. And um, um, there's been there's been calls for um, the volunteer firefighters to be compensated because some of them have been um, working for sort of months on end now in in some places. Um, you know, doing without their going without their um, their wages, spending time away from their families and the rest of it. And um, um, the Morrison government finally. Um, kind of had to fold on that uh, about a month ago when he said he announced that um, firefighters will be able to claim up to six thousand dollars worth of compensation. Um, but from the reports I'm hearing, that's um, been made very difficult for them uh, for them to claim. Um, and on top of that, there's been um, there's also been huge cuts to um, to the parks and wildlife um, services. There was a um, a statement released by the Public Services Public Service Association, which covers um, public service workers in uh, uh, New South Wales, um, saying that the the state government slashed the number of park rangers from 289 uh, to 201 between um, over the last eight years. And these are the people who are supposed to be carrying out um, 
land management and the rest of it and keeping, you know, essentially keeping an eye on the land and having an idea of how much um, sort of fuel there is um, there is in the forest and, and the rest of it. Um, they also, the um, National Parks and Wildlife Services, um, which is on a national level, um, had their their budget cut by 121 um, million a couple of years ago as well. Um, and uh, underlying all this has been ha- has also been uh, a water a water crisis. So um, parts of Australia have been have been in, in drought for uh, for years. Um, but we've ha- we've had entire entire rivers dry up. We've had um, towns that have had that have been out of water for for over a year now. Um, and some of the worst affected have been um, have been Aboriginal um, Aboriginal communities in in Western New South Wales. Um, but um, dis- despite all of that, um, the the mines in those areas and um, and cotton, uh, things like cotton farms and other industrial farms have been able to um, buy credits to actually buy up um, buy up water and have been you know using using that water that is no longer available to to towns for drinking water to um, you know to run their run their mining operations. Um, so yeah, it really is a um, this crisis really is a sort of perfect storm of Climate change and and neoliberalism coming together, really. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it does sound a, a classic example of profit being put entirely before before people, but it also sounds like the uh, the, the, the government itself has no answers to the crisis and, and and almost couldn't solve it, even if they even if they if they want to. Which I suppose brings me onto the onto the movement there, because one of the um, the things that's been really inspiring here in the UK has been the scale of the climate movement over the last few years in Australia, both uh, uh, both as in terms of the climate strikes and, uh, and, and wider wider protest movements, uh, which have been really, really huge. Um, what's the response been? I, I saw video of some of the demonstrations on Friday um, uh, uh, in Australia. There was demands for climate jobs and system change and, uh, and so on. How's the how is the climate movement, the trade union movement, um, uh, responding to the uh, to, to the bushfires and to the government? Um, yeah. So on on Friday we had um, some really excellent, enormous um, rallies ar- around Australia. I think there was about twenty thousand in um, in Sydney alone. Um, but there were there were marches in virtually every um, city in the country. But there were also um, similarly sized marches in in December last year as the the scale of the uh, pollution crisis was was unfolding particularly in Sydney you know we, were, we had sort of days and days of um, of of smoke um, coming over the city um, but the yeah so um, the 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 most recent rallies on um, on Friday were um, Specifically, calling to to sack Scomo, which is what we call Scott Morrison, um, and and to fund the you know fully fund the the fire services and and to to pay volunteers, um, and you know that that you could you could just see that the the anger and the and the fear um, that that people had amongst you know amongst them was just absolutely absolutely palpable um, after after the sort of horror summer that we've um, that we've had. But I think um, even though the, the rallies themselves were, were um, primarily calling to, um, 
you know, immediately sack um, Scott Morrison and, and fund this fire services. Um, it was also very much about about climate. There were there were a lot of chants about um, about climate action, the need to switch to renewables um, for a just transition, um, and the rest of it. Um, unfortunately, in these most recent uh, rallies, they they've been called quite quickly. Um, and there, there hasn't been there hasn't been an enormous organised union response, but um, there has been um, union representatives uh, on on the platform. There was someone from the the fire brigades union that spoke at the spoke at the Sydney rally and talked about the kind of um, conditions that they that um, firefighters are, are facing, um, and the need you know the, the crying need for more more permanent resources for the fire services. Um, but and I was also pleased to see that um, in my hometown of Newcastle, which is near the um, one of the biggest coal mining um, regions in, in Australia, the um, the CFMEU, um, the which is the uh, the union that covers construction, forestry, mining, um, and and energy, um, had a had a representative speaking at the at the rally there on uh, on Friday, and he he made quite an explicit call um, for. Uh, just tra- just transition for fossil fuel workers, which is particularly um, important in that um, in that region, um, and that's really something that we have been um, pushing for as a um, our organisation, Solidarity, um, is for the the question of um, of climate jobs, green jobs, to be to be at the forefront um, of the of the movement, um, and that is sort of slowly um, slowly becoming. Um, you know, uh, making its way further, further and further into the into the movement. I think, and I think that was evidenced at, um, during the last climate strike on September twenty. Um, it was it was really fantastic here in Australia. We had um, some of the bi- biggest rallies since the um, since the Iraq War protests. So we had about a hundred thousand in Sydney alone, um, and there was much greater participation of. Um, Unions and and workplaces um, there than there were um, than there was the last time, um, and that included my union um, at the time, which is the NTU, which covers university staff. Um, which um, yeah, a lot a lot of the universities themselves actually shut down for the day, and a lot of well, sorry, didn't shut down, but um, a lot of uh, you know thousands of students and staff actually walked out to join to join the uh, the climate strikes that day. Um, but I think what was what was really significant as well is that since the um, the uh, earlier uh, high school strike for climate in March last year, the high school strikers in Australia had um, added a demand around um, a just transition and um, and green jobs. Um, and I think that made it that meant that unions were much more willing to be to be involved in the movement. Um, and so you saw a much greater um, much higher participation for uh, um, from uh, unions from the construction from the construction sector. You had a we had an electrical trade union speaker um, up on the stage talking about the um, you know the the, the need to um, to to for massive public investment in um, in renewable energy. Um, the Maritime Union of Australia also spoke on that platform. They were um, they were out on strike um, that day. Um, but it has also, um, you know, there's there's a there's a lot of debates going on, I suppose, about the about the way about the way forward because you know the uh, the question of or the demand for um, climate action could mean could mean any any number of things really. Um, 
And for for many, many years we've had um, successive governments in Australia trying to um, put forward all sorts of um, market mechanisms um, and, and and other ways that sort of don't get at the core of a problem essentially and don't um, effectively um, cut climate emissions, uh, sorry, cut carbon emissions. Um, and they've also, we, have, we had a previous Labor government try to introduce um, uh, a carbon tax that would actually pass on um, the the cost of pollution to to consumers rather than putting it on putting it on polluters. So that's that's the sort of background to the to the movement here. Um, but um, yeah, so one of, one of the main things, as I said, um, the, uh, that we have been that we have been pushing is around this question of of climate jobs, and we've been quite involved in in setting up a group called uh, Workers for Climate Action that was initially set up to. Um, spread the strikes, uh, the high school strikes into workplaces, which we had some success with, but we've now um, uh, formed an, an ongoing group out of that, which is um, which is quite quite exciting. Um, uh, we're also calling for a hundred percent public renewables um, by uh, by twenty thirty, because in Australia the um, the the energy system is uh, is a bit of a patchwork quilt of um, privately owned enterprises. It's impossible to um, essentially oversee the transition to renewables that we need unless it's in unless it's in public hands. Um, and of course, no more um, fossil fossil fuel um, projects. And the, the the Liberal government is um is actually talking about extending the the lifetime of these of some of these old. Um, you know, some of them 40, 50, 60 years old um, coal-fired power stations. They're actually trying to um, extend their life um, at the moment. Um, but just to wrap up that point, I suppose, the um, we had our, our last federal election in, in May last year and at that time... Um, you know, virtually everyone thought that the um, that the Labor Party was um, was on track to um, to win government, but the... Um, um, the the Liberal Party ended up getting getting back in, and that was largely um, largely uh, you know they, they actually campaigned on the back of um, you know the continuation of the of the coal industry um, and and around the question you know sort of campaigned around the question of of jobs in the in the coal industry and that they weren't going to end um, end coal mining and um, Unfortunately, the, uh, the 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 Labor Party had um, sort of equivocated over the question of um, you know whether or not it was going to support um, uh, new coal mines um, because you know wanted to sort of play it both ways. Um, but instead of sort of putting forward a you know a positive vision of um, you know what a, a post coal um, uh, Australia Australia or economy could could look like, they um, they came across as um, as not um, essentially not caring about um, about jobs, and I think that made a an enormous impact on um, on their electoral uh, failure over the um, during the election. It was sort of telling that um, the the areas the the, the Hunter Valley um, and the, and areas in uh, in Queensland, which are almost entirely dependent on fossil fuel industries um, massively swung away from from the Labor Party um, in the last in the last election um, and so I think yes th yeah this this question of jobs really needs to to uh, be at the forefront of the movement that's um that, that's that's really interesting because I think one of the things we've argued here in the 
in the UK, the campaign against climate change is one million climate jobs has always been uh, put the question of just transition uh, central to it and the idea that uh, workers shouldn't lose out as part of a, a, a transition and move to a to a zero carbon economy. So it's really interesting to hear that that's starting to get a, a bit of a, a, a grip because um, it's very interesting that trade unions, for instance, just before Christmas, I remember the, uh, I think you, you mentioned the Maritime Union, uh, some of its members going on strike uh, over the conditions they were having to work in with the smoke, but actually moving from a sort of defensive to a more uh, positive uh, alternative view, I think is a is a is a is a key a key question for the for for the movement and uh, and something I think we need to to argue for. I I, I was very interested reading um, Naomi Klein's latest book on fire, which is all about the the debates around the Green New Deal. She makes the point that uh, unless the Green New Deal offers something to working class communities and also challenges uh, the very basis of capitalism, the drive to profit and accumulation, it's not really a uh, 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 a positive. It's not going to make the difference that's that's required. What what do you think the prospects for 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 getting real starting to win win real victories over this are? I mean, is it likely that, for instance, the Scott Morrison government will be defeated over the uh, over over the bush bushfires? He seems quite badly damaged. Do you think the trade unions will start to take climate change seriously um, on on a big scale? What 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 are the prospects going forward? Um, well, I guess I'll, I'll start with the, the um, question of the of the the unions and particularly the the MUA, and then move on to um, prospects for getting rid of the the Morrison government. Um, well, yeah, just just on the um, the MUA, the Maritime Union of Australia. I think um, another thing that this crisis has really um, another question that that it has raised is the the question of the right to strike in Australia, which is massively curtailed. Um, you know, we really only have the the legal right to strike within um, very, very constrained um, circumstances, and this has um, brought that to the fore again. Because, of course, the um, you know, as I said before, there's there's been um, people having to um, work outdoors during these days of terrible um, uh, terrible smoke pollution, and uh, during that time, um, a number of uh, workplaces actually. Um, uh, refuse refuse to work with the um, with the support of their of their unions. They um, you know they down tools and said we're not going to work under under these conditions. Um, and the first to do that was the Maritime Union of Australia, which is um, one of the most union mili- uh, sorry one of the most militant unions um, here, particularly in um, in Sydney. Um, and so they actually um, you know the, uh, they. They, uh, the workers who were working outside, um, decided that they were going to stop working from um, from from 3 p.m. Um, that day, and um, a number of other workplaces um, followed with the with the support of their of their unions. Um, and even though uh, there is a there is actually a law that um, that says that workers are allowed to stop um, working under immediately unsafe conditions. Um, the the employers in those workplaces still um, still attack the the unions for actually acting on that, and I think it is telling that um, it was actually only um, workplaces that do have that already had um, you know existing strong union organisation that were able to actually take action on on that. Otherwise, you know, you might have seen sort of maybe one worker or a group of workers here or there deciding not to work, but. Um, it was the you know the places where they were organised that actually that actually took action, but um, it has really 
raised the question of um, of winning back the right to strike, which um, you know uh, Solidarity has been quite involved in in pushing over the last um, over the last few, uh, few years through a um, through a campaign um, around winning back the right to strike because um, you know it's becoming very clear that if we um, if we're to win any serious action on climate change, we're going to need to um, not just call you know call for a just transition for workers but actually to to mobilize workers around um around that demand and to actually you know use our power as um our collective power as workers to actually bring the system to a halt um but at the moment we are you know the, our, our the unions in australia are so um so hamstrung by the um by the anti-strike laws that it makes it extraordinarily um difficult to 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 take strike action even over um you know immediate sort of bread and butter issues let alone um broader broader issues like um like climate and so on um but moving on to um yeah the 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 morrison government at the moment i mean he the the government is very divided over the question he has uh scott morrison has faced um Criticism, even from uh, representatives in, in his own party, particularly in, in, in New South Wales, where um, where the Liberal Party are also also in government at, at a state level. Um, you know, the the young Liberals have come out and said, you know, that uh, there needs to be an, an admission of the connection with uh, with climate change. So they are quite sort of divided over the issue. But as I said, they have a, there's a very very powerful um, right wing to um, to the Liberal Party that. Um, that really has has been calling the calling the shots um, so far so far, and um, in terms of uh, the prospects for actually getting rid of the the, the Morrison um, government immediately, and I mean I, I wish I could say those those prospects were more real right now. I, I do think that there is a there is a need to sort of generalise the um, the anger towards um, Scott Morrison himself to be you know to the to the rest of the, the Liberal Party. Really, and their um, and you know their their mates in the that that own the um, the mines and coal-fired power stations all all over Australia. Um, and um, unfortunately, the um, the the Labor Party, um, having drawn what I think are all you know all the all the wrong conclusions from their loss at the last election, have also been very unwilling to. Um, to talk about climate um, amidst the crisis, they have been, um, you know, sort of going quite hard on the Liberal Party um, over the question of lack of funding and support for um, uh, for the fire and rescue uh, efforts. But they've really gone mostly quiet over the question of um, over the question of climate. Um, they're saying that there is still a role for um, the coal industry to play in the Australian economy. Um, you know they're continuing to tr- sort of try to uh, play it both ways, even though there is um, an enormous appetite, particularly amongst the the, the labour base, to um, have a real uh, policy on, on on climate that would see see more jobs. But um, and and there's also unfortunately been an um, an absence of the uh, the 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 Greens, um, who are the environment basically the what are known as the environmental party in Australia have. Um, sort of been largely um, silent over the last couple of months. So, um, in a way, there is a, a very big political space for the the climate movement to um, to take up at the moment. Um, and I think there are 
very real prospects for that be, uh, for that becoming a um, a mass movement over the next few months. Um, whether or not we can we can immediately get rid of the Morrison government is another question. I really hope that we do <laughs> get to that point sooner rather than later. But um, absolutely, this crisis has done some pretty serious damage to um, to Scott Morrison. He has clawed back a little bit of ground by um, now agreeing to you know give the fire services virtually anything that they want. He's um, you know after years of ignoring what the um, fire chiefs have been saying about needing more equipment, about the fire seasons becoming catastrophically bad and the rest of it, um, he has now you know agreed to um, to give give more money for um, aerial firefighting um, resources. He's he also brought in um, brought in the army to to assist with the um, with the evacuation efforts. Um, brought out the um, the reserve army for um, the first time in in many many years. I mean, the question of whether you know whether the army should be the the institution responding to um, climate crises is uh, is another issue. But yeah, I think I think at the moment he may have called back a little bit of ground. But I think the the task for the climate movement, such as it is such as it is at the moment, is really to um, to pin this crisis to to the government um, and to their to their climate denialism, and I think we really need to make sure that this is, um, you know, the not just the start of, um, uh, you know, increasingly bad fire seasons, but the start of a uh, of a movement that can, um, you know, uh, uh, make serious changes to the to the system that we yeah. that we live in. Changing tack slightly, um, one of the things that we've argued in the in the socialist movement around climate change is the way that climate change itself will exacerbate other divisions in society and I uh, I've, I've seen over the years that Australia's had the Australian government rather than the Australian people have had a terrible record in terms of the question of refugees and uh, and so on and I know your organization has been very involved in uh, solidarity with the refugees um, I'm just wondering how, if you've got stuff to say about the impact on of climate change, both in terms of racism within society, but also in terms of the Aboriginal people. I saw a, a report, I think in The Guardian just before Christmas, about the way the consistent, extremely high temperatures have been driving Aboriginal people out of their traditional uh, uh, home areas and, uh, and territories and, uh, and so on. Um, but I suppose also uh, we, we will start to see internal refugees uh, in, in, in Australia. And I wondered if you had anything to say about the sorts of movements around anti-racism, refugee solidarity and, uh, and Aboriginal rights and so on. Um, yeah, well, the, the impact of the fires has, of course, been... Um, been the worst on um, on the poorest communities in Australia, and um, and particularly on Aboriginal people. Um, yeah, as I, as I said, some Aboriginal communities um, have been out of water for uh, for over over a year now, relying on uh, charities to actually bring drinking water all the way from Sydney um, in order to in order to be able to continue to you know to, to actually keep those those towns alive. Um, um, there's been uh, various smaller Aboriginal communities that have been devastated by the fires themselves. So, example, there's this small town called Mogo in East Gippsland, where, which is where some of the worst um, 
fires have been in in Victoria in recent weeks. Um, has that that town Mogo um, has been pretty much pretty much um, decimated by the by the fires. Um, but also the you know the um, uh, the effects of the fires are are really compounded in in situations of poverty. So in you know in a lot of um, uh, uh, Aboriginal towns like in, uh, in, in Mogo, um, there's problems with, um, with overcrowding in houses. And so once you lose one house, once one house burns down, um, you know, around 15 people can become homeless because there's, um, a, there's a lot of people, um, living in those houses. And of course, there is also the, um, you know, the, 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 what you can imagine is enormously deep grief at seeing, um, you know, seeing your traditional lands, um, being, being, um, being incinerated, um, you know, people, um, are watching their, watching their traditional lands burn, even in places where they've, you know, never, never burnt on this continent. Um, and it has raised, um, questions around, I mean, I'm sure you've heard the, the questions being talked about around, uh, uh, land management. Of course, Indigenous people in Australia, um, Manage the land here um, effectively for tens of thousands of years, um, and have um, a, a, a lot to contribute. I think in terms of um, knowledge and understanding of how um, various ecosystems in in Australia work, um, and I think the the climate movement um, does need to take up some of the demands of the uh, of Aboriginal communities around the need for um, funding for. Um, Aboriginal people to be employed in parks and wildlife services, um, to be involved in the, um, in, in the efforts to, um, to, to manage land effectively. Um, so yeah, that, that, that is certainly, um, that's certainly been a, 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 a part of the crisis as well. Um, I mean, on the, on the question of, um, of refugees, it's, um, yeah, I mean, the, the Australian government spends billions of dollars every year keeping out refugees, you know, billions of dollars that um, could, I mean, not only go to simply um, housing, you know, um, helping refugees become established um, in our communities here in Australia, but those billions of dollars could also go to, you know, buying more um, resources for the, for the fire services. For example, there's been, um, I don't have the figures in front of me, but there's been so many million dollars spent every week to, uh, to keep a single, um, one single Tamil family on Christmas Island, which is, um, an island that used to be an offshore processing center, but it was closed down years ago. They reopened it last year um just to keep this tamil family that they were trying to deport back to sri lanka um, um uh, they've been they've been keeping them there alone on christmas island spending spending millions and millions of dollars um doing that so um you know i think that's you know that it shows where the where the where the government's priorities lie and just how just how invested they are i suppose in um in policing and militarizing um australia's borders um and i think it's significant as well that um some of the laws that have been used against climate activists in recent months were um, were actually introduced under anti-terror legislation that was targeting Muslims um, uh, that has been rolled out over the last um, twenty or so years. Those you know those laws are now being being used to to actually target um, climate activists um, who have been protesting against uh, new coal mines um, at various coal summits and and the rest of it. Um, and 
there's also the, the issue of Australian imperialism in the um, in the Pacific. Um, you know, the coalition government has ignored repeated pleas pleas by leaders of Pacific Island nations to cut our emissions. Um, you know, places like Tuvalu, Tonga, Vanuatu. Um, you know, the, the island nations and uh, uh, nations in the Pacific are literally going underwater and have been calling on the Australian government to take serious action on climate change, and they've just been. Um, just been absolutely ignored, and in some cases, actually, sort of scorned and and made fun of by members of members of our government, which just shows you their their attitude to um, smaller nations in the in the Pacific. And I think, you know, um, the Australian state has really considered um, the Pacific to be um, its its backyard for um, for for a long, long time. And I think that's the worst evidence of that would be the the infamous offshore processing centres um, for refugees um, in Papua New Guinea and on, on Nauru where um, there continues to be asylum seekers and, and, and refugees uh, languishing. Um, and, um, yeah, the, um, there was a 2011 um, defence white paper released um, about the about climate change um, in 2011 that essentially said that um, Australian defence forces would need to um, ramp up their their presence across the across the Pacific in response to the social crises that will inevitably um, result from uh, from a changing climate. So that's you know it, it, I mean even though we say that we have a a government um, full of uh, climate denialists, they they very much know. <laughs> They're not. They're not actually in in denial. They know that it's coming. They know that it's there, and they're you know the the, the military is is um, in its own way preparing for it. And um, I mean, I just finished with one one anecdote that I that I found quite telling. Um, so a um, a comrade of ours was um, uh, holidaying on the uh, the south coast of New South Wales when the uh, catastrophic fires hit that area, and he said, um, but he said. During that time, while he was kind of stuck there, um, one of the only pieces of um, climate-related graffiti he saw was um, said "climate action, nuke." Uh, so yeah, climate action, nuke China now. Essentially, suggesting that you know China was um, responsible for um, uh, for climate change, and there really has been a massive ramping up of um, anti-Chinese racism in Australia over the last few years of ten as tensions have been building between Australia and China over the South, um, South China Sea. And, of course, Australia has a long-standing alliance with the, with the US and has been, um, you know, very much, um, uh, you know, giving its support to the, to the US in the, in the trade, in the trade wars and so on. So, yes, the, there is massively a... Um, an overlap of, um, of of racism and the climate crisis in Australia today. Thank you. Um, I, I think just to wrap up, really, that uh, 2020 will be a, almost certainly a year of, of climate protest. I know we've got uh, here in the UK and I'm sure internationally two um, uh, 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 climate strikes scheduled in, uh, in, in February the 14th, uh, Valentine's Day. Uh, Love the planet, I think is the uh, is the slogan and. Uh, and, uh, and, and March the 13th, but there's also a, a global day of action, uh, uh, days of action around April the 3rd. I'm sure that will be happening over there. And we're building here in the UK towards the um, the United Nations uh, next climate summit, which is taking place in Glasgow in, uh, in in Scotland at the end of the end of 2020. And we're looking towards big mobilizations 
for the, for those events and uh, and elsewhere. And of course, there'll be, I'm sure, protests around uh, uh, racism and and so on as uh, as as these issues come apparent. I, I, what's the? Uh, are there any events that you want to highlight coming up in uh, in Australia that uh, that that, that uh, you're mobilising for? Uh, what are the next steps of the movement? Um, well, the next thing, the next big thing um, in Australia is going to be February 22, a National Day of Action around climate. Um, this has been called by a new kind of uh, alliance, I suppose, that um, that we've been involved in, um, sort of trying to coordinate here in uh, in Sydney of different um, different groups that are active around around environment and and the climate. Um, uh, so yeah, we've we've called a um, a rally for February 22. Um, so we're hoping to get massive numbers to that. Um, I believe that something will be called on that date in Melbourne, but I don't think it's confirmed yet. Um, as for the, uh, the high school strikes, I'm not sure whether the the high school students in Australia have agreed yet to um, to do theirs on the same day as um, as the Northern Hemisphere, um, but I'm sure. I'm sure there'll be a, a huge call out when um, when that does happen. But in the meantime, there's all sorts of organisations that people can get involved with. In, in Sydney, in particular, I think um, Workers for Climate Action is a really great place to come to for anyone who wants to, you know, start sort of mobilising their their um, their workplace around the the question of um, climate. Um, so yeah, there's 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 going to be a lot to do in in coming months. It's um, it's it's set to be a really big year of um, campaigning around climate here, I think. Thank you very much, um, Caitlin. Thank you for, for taking time out to talk to us today. It's uh, been an absolutely fascinating, if, 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 if scary, um, and inspiring uh, interview. So thank you uh, for your time today and uh, best of luck with the 2020 struggles and bringing together the climate and workers' movements, uh, as we say here, system change, not climate change. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to read more, you can find up-to-date articles at socialistworker.co.uk. If you enjoyed what you heard and would like to join the Socialist Workers' Party or find out more about us, you can go to swp.org.uk. If you'd like to get in touch, you can find us on facebook.com slash socialistworkersparty, on Twitter at SWPBritain, Instagram is socialist underscore workers underscore party, and you can subscribe to our podcast on all major podcast sites, including Spotify, Deezer, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker and iTunes.